Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the original thinking and creative innovation podcast. How are you all doing? I hope you're all good. I hope you're all feeling creative today. Um, the weather in the studio is wondering, it's pondering today and it's pondering whether you can recycle carrier bags. Can somebody let me know? Uh, and it's also pondering, is there any scientific evidence to support my theory that my brain does not work as well when I am cold in this studio? <laughs> That's a hell of a weather report, isn't it? Hey, I hope you're all good. I hope you're all up to some really interesting creative work. I hope you're all seeking doing new projects and... Don't know, tell me. Hit me up on the Twitter at ArrestOrMimics. Let me know what you've been up to. Uh, let me know of any cool projects. Uh, I'm always looking for new things to feature. I'm always looking for new angles from which to cover beautiful, interesting artistic work on this show, ArrestOrMimics, which is doing all right. We're doing all right. Um, more and more listeners coming in every week. More and more followers on the social media. So spread the word. Thanks and welcome to anyone who's come on board recently. I absolutely love it when new people come along. It's great when uh, I get those little tweets every now and again going, I've just come across this uh, podcast and it's all right, which I hope we are. I'm loving doing it. It's been going a little while now. So we started in September 2015, as any regular listeners will already know. And it's been about, what, a year and a half? Yeah, about a year and a half, not even that, really. A year and a quarter, maybe, of building this thing. And it's a whole trial and error experiment, I've got to admit. This is my first foray into anything like this, broadcasting. Um, I'm learning as I go. But I'm having a lot of fun, and I'm meeting loads of cool, creative, interesting people. So it's a great pleasure to do it. Um, so a, a really big thank you, actually, to anyone who's, you know, whether you've been a regular listener, you've just checked in here and there, you've just told someone that you've heard about this cool podcast, Whatever it is, thank you very much, because it's great. Um, so that's enough of that. Um, I'm going to say a little thank you also to my sponsors, because they've played a massive, massive part in making sure I can keep doing this for free every week around my project work, of course, which I need to do to pay the bills. You know how it is. You all know how it is. <laughs> so first up, Illustration Limited, my agency, uh, representing a whole bunch of interesting creative people, illustrators, animators, fashion designers, set designers, all the good stuff. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. I, I believe they are the biggest agency in the world. I might be wrong, but I think they're the biggest illustration agency in the world, which is pretty cool. Um, anyway, later today, actually, I'm recording this on a Monday, and I'm going to go over and check out what Smart Up Visuals are up to. So they're represented by Illustration Limited, and they're a really cool team of three ladies, and they do graphic scribing. I hadn't heard of it, I'll admit, before I came across their work, and it's essentially storytelling, and it's done kind of live, it's done for companies on location, and it's turning vocabulary and uh, dialogue into very sort of rapid-fire graphic imagery, telling that story and bringing it all together. What an awesome idea. So I'm going to go and check out that and find out what's going on. Uh, and I just thought it was a nice indication of the sheer diversity of what Illustration Limited are doing and representing. So go and check them out, illustrationweb.com. So many different people and really interesting creative professionals on there. So go and have a look. Go check out the, width, the length, the breadth of their work. Cool agency, cool people. Um, heartinternet.co.uk. Uh, they do 
all the SEO stuff, so essentially how are you doing on Google, where you're ranked, they help you improve that stuff, they provide hosting, web packages, domain names, all the important internet stuff for you to have that essential online presence. So go and have a look, go check out their social media, they're very up on you know, sharing relevant articles, tips for people to improve their SEO, their social media usage, they're very hot on that stuff too, they're way ahead of the curve, these guys were there right at the advent of the internet in you know in the mid-90s and, and just kind of got on it early doors. And so they're real masters of the field. Uh, I had Nick Leach on the show not too many episodes ago, so go back and listen to that one. So Nick will tell you what makes for a great social media presence, uh, what makes for a good website, what people want to see and what to think about to improve that stuff. So thanks to those guys, heartinternet.co.uk, supporting the show. And the brilliant printed.com been launching some cool new products this month, so go and check them out on the website, printed.com. Uh, they do all sorts of awesome stuff, um, really good, over 90 different products. I was with um, Andy Cotterill last week. I'm working on a project with Andy, who is a music photographer, and he works for Mojo, Q Magazine. He, he does all sorts of uh, music photography, and it's really, really strong stuff. It's very human very organic and Andy's a real character and we're preparing a big exhibition of all these works we've been collaborating on together, pulling our style. And we're coming towards the end of uh, the main batch of all the work. So what we did was printed off um, a whole series of all, all the works and we displayed them and we and we stood, stood back and looked at what essentially is two years worth of work between us. And a lot of the time we're doing this on our own, we're collaborating, yeah, but we're doing it in our respective studios, we're always juggling briefs and the rest of it. So it was a really refreshing thing to step back and see all the, the work printed out and get a feel for how it was all coming together. And it's really looking good, I, I, I feel. You know, I'm really happy with the work I've done, Andy's loving his stuff, and, and more importantly, how it all comes together in the middle. So I just think sometimes having a printed thing in front of you really does help you to get a, you know, get a kind of insight and a great overview. So think about that and apply that to what you're doing and you know maybe that's some inclination to kind of go out and prepare some printed promo material because I think your work really kind of comes across well if you're doing you know particularly graphic design illustration uh, photography comes across great in print you know it's worth thinking about so thanks to those guys printed.com um oh yeah I totally forgot my apologies hot internet my little tip for the week <laughs> Um, so today's guest is Becca Smith and we're talking about portrait art and we're going to talk about Becca's journey and how she came to be a portrait artist working largely for private clients but I just wanted to say a little bit about uh, I've been doing a lot of work for the Premier League recently I've been doing animated promos and I've been doing moments and portraits of kind of key players from Manchester City, Manchester United Tottenham Hotspur, Liverpool and the feedback is awesome from the fans of those clubs I've had people getting in touch asking if they can get hold of the works I've had um, fans kind of wincing when I've put up players of oppositions uh, one of the lads who listens to the show Steve Johnson, you should go and check him out he's a very cool illustrator doing lots of stylish work at the minute. Um, he's been a long-time listener of the show and uh, I believe he's a Liverpool fan and he wasn't too happy when I posted Gary Neville celebrating against Liverpool. <laughs> but Steve's cool and he laughed and he kind of chastised me for making him like a picture of Gary Neville. But he was very complimentary about my artwork and said he would have not done it if it wasn't my style. So that was really, really cool and really fun. And I just think it's a nice example of how you can interact through your stuff. And I'm going to talk about that with Becca Smith on this episode, about what it means to... Not just the artist, 
but also the person who's having the portrait created, but also the people in their world, the people who have, you know, respect for them, professional, personal respect, and, and what it means to see these people almost immortalised in this portrait. So we're going to go into depth about that stuff. It's a really fascinating conversation. So thanks to the sponsors, uh, by the way. It's very disjointed today, isn't it? I'm all over the show. Oh, well. So rest all mimics. What more do you expect? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Becca Smith. She's right below me pretty much in my studios over at Thameside Studios, uh, right by the river. Um, and she's fantastic. She paints huge, large-scale portraits. I'm talking wall-sized stuff at times. And then other stuff smaller. It really ranges. But she ra- she paints such a broad range of characters. She had Nick Huring last week in the studio, um, which you've seen the promo graphics, you probably see the image that I've been sharing. Um, Nick being the presenter of Countdown now, I think he was uh, very well known for his work on The Apprentice alongside Sir Alan Sugar. Real character. So it's great for me to pop in for cups of tea and sort of sit down with Becca and get the stories behind some of these portraits and uh, you know how she has to go and photograph them, interact with these people, get a feel for their sense of who they are and, and what they're known for and why they're respected and, and why this portrait has come about. So it's a real eye-opening conversation. I do a lot of portraits, but they're often commissioned for magazines or I do the occasional little private one. But Becca's stuff is uh, much more laborious in its style and it's high detail and it's it's knockout quality stuff. But I wanted to know how she got into doing this and I wanted to know what it, you know what it brings about in terms of results and the pressures of doing a one-on-one, you know, sitting or working from a photograph, but that moment of presenting this thing to the people and the people that care about them or perhaps the people have commissioned that a lot of questions to ask um, and Becca will tell us all about a kind of bumpy ride through education not quite knowing where she wanted to go and doing a course that she didn't feel was very good um, from which the tutor actually said you'd be better off signing on the doll can you believe that <laughs> so Becca went on to work in design, designing ducts for bathrooms and uh, and all sorts of other stuff, which she describes as being good in the sense that it paid her money, but just not very creatively engaging and not what she wanted to do. And she's going to take us through the journey of how a visit to the BP Portrait Award exhibition triggered something within her and made her feel that this is what she wanted to do. So it's a really cool, natural, organic story of, of why I think we should pay attention to um, you know your gut and your intuition and I, for one, as the years have gone by um, in my career, listen more and more to what I'm feeling quite quickly and quite instinctively, and I don't often stray too far from that. And it's difficult to trust at times because sometimes logic doesn't quite meet in the middle and doesn't match up with this. And you have to kind of go against what people might tell you, what you feel might be logically the right path. Um, But my point is that Becca is a great example of someone who has followed her heart and followed what she enjoyed doing and now she gets to meet a whole range of eccentric wonderful talented people as she'll tell us all about today so get us your thoughts I want to know what you think about this on the Twitter whether you're an illustrator producing portraits are you a designer creating digital portraits Uh, do you do sculpture and create people's likenesses? I'm very interested in this idea of likeness and trying to capture someone's soul in an art art form that is, I think, I'm lost for words, but can you know those regal portraits, those kind of majestic moments in time? The depiction of someone in a portrait can be absolutely anything, and I'm just fascinated by that idea that it's capturing someone's uh, essence. 
So without me waffling on any more about that, I want to take you to my conversation with Becca Smith in her studio. Uh, Becca's a great character, as you'll come to see now. Um, Get us your feedback, get us your thoughts. Thanks to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. And last but very not least, um, the AOI, the Association of Illustrators, their episode is, uh, is actually the second most popular one I've ever done. But they are doing great work protecting um, illustrators, championing illustrators, uh, looking at, you know, supporting all the legal side of things, the legislation, the copyright, the pricing, the markets, Go and check them out. Uh, the World Illustration Awards are coming up and the deadline is the 6th of February, so don't dwell much longer. Get your submissions in. It's a great awards ceremony. It's a real prestigious event in the industry. Uh, and they're a great organisation who are doing great, great work in times where, thanks to digital technology, we are not all too sure about our rights and you know our copyright and all that stuff. So check them out. Um, nice one. Yeah, here we go. Well, seeing as we're sitting facing Nick, uh, what's his surname? Nick Hewer. Nick what? Nick Hewer. Nick Hewer. Nick Hewer, who most people... What's that noise? <laughs> <laughs> it's dead. I don't think that was my stomach that time. No. I think it's like some sort of like... I think that's some sort of soaring going on in the background. I suppose it's some of the maker studios downstairs. <laughs> Brilliant. So Nick Hewer is his name, yeah? Yeah. And so he's staring at Nick, a portrait of Nick Hewer, done by Becca Smith, who's my guest today, and... What does Nick do? He, he was, well, people know him from The Apprentice, right? Yeah, he was on The Apprentice, but now he presents Countdown instead. When did he start doing that? Because I wasn't even aware of that. I don't know. I think he's been doing it for a while. Um, but even so, I was just pleased that he can only get three letters as well. <laughs> Made me feel better because <laughs> I'm not two kids. <laughs> my, uh, my, old, my, old house, my old housemate, uh, we live with in South Bermondsey. Went on countdown. He's, he's got this like CV of going on game shows. He loves it. He went on. Really? Uh, yeah, he went on. Oh, what's the other one? There's one I can't remember the name of it. He's been on two anyway, and um, and he, he did quite well on both. He's quite like he's quite good with his general knowledge. He just likes listening to stuff and learning stuff. And he went. Yeah, he went on countdown. And um, <laughs> Jeff Stelling, who present presented it, it must not do now if Nick's doing it but anyway he's the guy who did do you know Soccer Saturday on like a Saturday afternoon oh, he did it's basically well. a roundup of all the sports results okay. and it's like if you're in on a Saturday and you're a football fan it's what you watch mm. so Tommy's put loads of bets on at uni and when he met Jeff Stelling he said I can't take it serious Jeff he said uh, I, whenever I see you all I can think about is screwing up a bet slip and throwing it at your face and, see, <laughs> and, and Jeff Stelling was betting himself <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant I know. so so, well, tell us about your style because I, I don't even know what you're working. Oils? No, it's acrylics. Um, after drinking some white spirit, I thought that that was probably time to stop on the oil paint. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, but no, I've been working in acrylic for a long time. And to be honest, I think it, it suits me better because I can just pick it up and take it wherever I need to. Unless it's huge, like uh, that other portrait over there. But it's, um, it's practical. And it's, I find it almost like the opposite of oil paint. So where oil paint is just really easy to blend, I find it's much less, it's, it's much harder to get a kind of definition with it. Mm. Whereas acrylic can often be harder edged and look quite graphic. Yeah. And it's almost like, the, I always see them as almost like the opposite way round to each other as, in terms of a medium. Mm. But I like, I like acrylic. Um... I like sort of building up layers. I start with thicker layers and then as time goes on, it, they get thinner and thinner until they're really, really very, very 
watery tints. Mm. You know. So you must have quite a good control over over it now. I mean, what's what's your background? What's your what's your training? Did you did you go um, did you go to uni? I did go to uni, um, but I was told I wasn't allowed to paint any portraits at uni. Um, so I must then? be saving it up until after. <laughs> And now you do nothing but. <laughs> now I do nothing but. I know. Maybe it's that sort of, like, sort of rebellious streak or something coming. Out. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I did. Um, I don't know. I couldn't really decide what to get into, so I ended up doing two foundation courses. Um, started doing an HND, and, and it was really dry. And um, and then there were all these like art students um, down in, in this, this other block um, at the college that I was at, and they were just. I don't know, producing, like, really getting stuck in with, like, you know, big palette knife work, like, mm. really getting into all their oil paints at the time, you know, and stuff like that. And I just thought this is so much more interesting than these dry kind of technical drawings and, I don't know, lots of sort of paperwork and stuff like that. So I ended up just dropping back down onto foundation yeah. and um, had this mental teacher... And um, he'd have like a sort of, he'd pull out some sort of chicken carcass or something. And he'd have like velvet curtains around it and stuff. And I kind of like, you know, he'd set it all up like a still life with this sort of chicken carcass. Really? And he was, he was mental. He was like, yeah, it's like a symphony by Beethoven. Here's the violins. Here's the cellos. And here's the trumpet or something like this. And everyone would be like, wow, you know. Turns out that he was actually like complete alcoholic and completely pissed. But, totally eccentric. You know, Sounds like I read a lot really of like Charles Bukowski at the minute. Sounds like that sort of character. Like, <laughs> full on eccentric, old school, kind romantic. Of, like just yeah. every, everything, just, just completely. Kind of larger than life. But he really, yeah. you know, alcoholic or not, um, he just really got everyone sort of doing stuff. And everyone mm. was inspired and infused. Even if it was by a sort of plucked chicken corpse on a, <laughs> on a velvet curtain. Hey, there are no boundaries in this industry. <laughs> this world, this crazy world we occupy. Oh, oh so no, it was, it was good fun. It was good fun. And then, then I, um, then I, I did my degree and, um, I mean, that, that was in Bristol. Um, I'd started another one and that was dry as, as well. Um, and, um, I just thought all the tutors were just sucking out all the inspiration out of people. And um, everyone was dropping out of the course and stuff. Mm. And, um, and then I went up to Bristol. And um, I don't know, I was just like, wow, what am I doing down in Kent doing, doing this, this crap course that's really dry when I should be doing all of this? This is much more fun. And really, really enjoyed it. Just really enjoyed my time in Bristol. But Bristol is a fantastic place. And it's yeah. got a kind of, it's got a feel to it. It's alive. It's got some freedom yeah. to it. It's got a real creative reputation, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, as a city. I know a lot of people who live there are all, all really quite bohemian characters. Mm. And it seems to attract that sort of person. Yeah, that type of person. I mean, you know, great for a bunch of art students. <laughs> <laughs> can be better, really. Um, what, did, what, what did you study? What did you do so great? I did a course called Art and Visual Culture, which was, um, you know, pretty much a dead loss, if I'm being honest. Um, but uh, because the course got axed halfway through... So morale was not high on my course. And obviously I wasn't allowed to do portraits. So I did um, my degree piece, which um, ended up being a bit disastrous too, was about issues of inner and outer environments that collided on the pane of the window and created some third environment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, obviously like sort of scraping the barrel there, but uh, I don't know. 
Um, you know, but it, it was it was good to have just you know it was good I guess to have just sort of done the degree and you know actually have to do a dissertation and stuff yeah. like that and kind of get work to a certain level and do a final show. Mm. Um, my final um, video piece. Um, I was so tired. Um, it was the first time that I'd ever done an Apple Mac or like worked on an Apple Mac on something. And I remember saying to um, this friend of mine at the time that we were we were kind of working together on. I said, oh, nothing could go wrong, could it? And the computer actually popped and, <laughs> went and completely lost all the work. He lost, lost all his degree piece and we lost like this whole oh, entire dear. film. And I um, ended up staying up for like, I think it was five days and five nights doing this kind of like shift type thing of like yeah. have an hour sleep and then we'll get up. And <laughs> so you can imagine like by the time I actually went to sort of actually hand in my work and, and, and show them this, this video... Um, I started playing them Star Trek instead, and that was interesting. <laughs> it wasn't quite what I was expecting, nor, nor what they were expecting, but uh, don't think that helped with my overall degree mark. Um, but, uh, but there you go, you know. <laughs> so what, why were you not to be portraits? Was it just a, a stipulation on the course, or was it just something that was imposed on you? Yeah, it was a stipulation, really, on the course. He could tell that I was really interested in, in doing portraits, so he decided that I should not do portraits, I guess. It's an interesting psychology. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure there will be people with stories where that's been a benefit and others where it's not, but... So, so what were the origins then of the portraits? Just, so the portraits, well, so after the degree, um, I didn't really know what to do. I actually said to my tutor, like, what, you know, what prospects are there after doing art and visual mm. culture? <laughs> and he said, well, actually, you may as well just go on the dole. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that didn't really sort of give me, like, That's you know, infuse my head with, like, the fact that this was this is really, obviously, a very good choice, and I'm going to do well out of it. Wow. Well, <laughs> you know, so, fi- finished the degree course, and then I thought the best thing I can do is to try and make um, stuff that's a bit more commercial, and so I started doing t-shirt prints and designing my own cards and just started to sell them in around... Bristol with a few shops to see how it went and um, you know and, and in the end I thought well the best thing is to try and do a, a trade fair mm. and, and do a stand at a trade fair and try and get my name out there and um, I met some people at this trade fair and they asked me to come and work for them so I guess I kind of got headhunted yeah. um, and then went into a whole world of ducks and you know <laughs> going going nuts you know, designing ducks and stuff for the bathroom and string lights and things like this. And it's um, it was, it was, you know, it was really interesting, you know, sort of doing a product um, or what we would call a product because it just turned into a horrible world of puns. <laughs> it just went product. on and on. But yeah, you know, that was, that is actually on the packaging. But, um, you know, we just, I designed stuff for them for a long time. And it was really interesting kind of, um, you know, uh, doing designs that went off to um, a factory in China and, um, you know, got produced and ended up in all the shops and stuff like that. And that mm. was that was really quite an interesting thing because they did actually take me over there. And I was just really, I suppose I thought it was, going to be quite different to how it was and it really was like Chinese whispers because like the the boss of my company he'd say to the boss of their company who would then say to the line manager who would then say to the people and um 
you know, I remember getting some some samples back and um, doing this sheriff, and um, he got bright red eyes, and the eyes were halfway down the face anyway, um, and it was like the print registration was completely out. But oh. it's like Chinese whispers, <laughs> like trying to get stuff yeah. done. Okay. So it was it was quite interesting because I'd have to work around the language difficulty and kind of do these sample request forms of how things should be in a kind of step-by-step methodical way. And I think I learned a lot from doing that. But the world of darks, you know, it ended up being a bit of a dead duck in the water, I must admit, (laughs) after four years. It was like, yeah, let's do another duck. And it was like, oh, God, really? Have we really got to do this? Sometimes it really benefits you to go a different route, though. I always say this, and I think I meet a lot of people who've come quite different backgrounds to what they end up actually doing and loving mm. um so I, you know i think sometimes it can show you i don't even if it's just a process of elimination you know so, show you what so, you don't want to do exactly sometimes <laughs> you just go to go and find out that you definitely don't want to do that mm. and then and you know by the time you arrive where you want to be you've got this whole different set of reference points and, and you've eliminated a few things along the way yeah exactly sometimes so so how did you yeah. did you get into doing portraits and well so you... the portraits um i was i was working at this company and i'd been there for quite a long time and i thought well i'll go i was in town i thought well, i'll go to bp portrait awards and i'd entered it years before with like um i can only say i'll, I'll bring it in sometime and show you it's absolutely hideous looking portrait um <laughs> i bet i like it i'm just putting it out there i like it <laughs> it's pretty wrong but anyway did this hideous portrait didn't get in and i hadn't really sort of seen the show for a, a number of years and um i went to uh have a look and i was absolutely bowled over by the the work that was going on um I know artists uh, like Andrew Tift there and just all, all sorts of, you know, like um, really, really amazing work. And I was just absolutely blown away by it. And I just thought, wow, I'd really like to sort of have a go at doing this sometime. Mm. And then, you know, as if by fluke, really, um, I went back to my old flat um, in Bristol to just go and see some mates. And it turned out that I'd got um, a letter and um, the letter was from one of the colleges in Cambridge asking me if I'd like to do a pencil sketch of this elderly fellow called uh, Dr. Leslie Waper. And um, I, I was thrilled to, to even get any kind of portrait commission. Mm. Um, it'd been such a long time since I'd really even done any proper paintings. I'd been doing all this design work on the computer and yeah. Illustrator and Photoshop or whatever. And... Um, so I, I went to visit him in Cambridge and I was just so struck by him as a person. I mean, he was 93 by then, really, really elderly. And I remember just going in this really old house and um, he'd got this carer there and there was just like piles and piles of food. It was like this kind of like factory, food factory, for this <laughs> tiny little man sitting there in this kind of uh, dressing gown, ploughing through all this... Um, you know, fried breakfast and everything. And then, uh, you know, and then I ended up sort of taking some shots of him and doing a few sketches. And um, when I looked at the material I'd got, I was just like, wow, I don't want to just do a pencil sketch. I really want to do a full-on painting of this guy because he's just got such a fantastic face. Mm. And I asked him if I could do this. And I just shut myself away for six months. It did turn into Groundhog Day a bit, um, because I was going back to Kent and working every weekend, right through the weekend. 
um, until sort of four or five in the morning. But I just got so into doing this portrait, I just couldn't stop. I was like obsessed by it. Really? You wow. know, and then I handed it in. Well, he actually died about two weeks before I handed it in. And I went to go and visit him. And it was so sad um, because... Uh, when I saw him the first time, his carer said, oh, don't you want to trim your eyebrows? He was like, I will not do any such thing. <laughs> and when I went to see him the second time, he was all morphined up in this bed. Oh, and then, shit. You know, and they trimmed his eyebrows, and I knew that he wouldn't like that. And oh. I remember standing at the foot of his bed with this painting, and he just, they couldn't wake him up for it. And then a few days later, he yeah. died. But it, it was... I don't know, it just really struck a chord with me. It's almost like, um, um, it's, like the, it's like one of those things like if the ravens leave the tower, it's like trim his eyebrows and it's over. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> it was. It was just like, this isn't, this isn't right. You know, guys, why did you do that? But, but you know, it, he, he's just, I don't know, he just struck me in, in such a way and, and mm. just spending all this time where I'd never done this before. Like, literally, it took me six months to do this portrait because I was working, yeah. you know, most of the time anyway and um, it was like two weeks before the handing date and I just went nuts at it and just kept going and kept going and um, and then it got in and I couldn't believe it I was really really shocked so it was like the first time that I'd done a painting in like you know a decade or so mm. and um, and it got into the BP and, and not only that it got voted the the People's Choice, like... You got the People's Choice? In, I didn't know third, that. Yeah, third in the People's Choice. Well, still, um, that's, that's but an achievement. I was just like, I was just absolutely... And, and as well, I had letters from people that, um, that he taught and they said, you know, how much they loved the portrait and how it had really captured him that's and how he's going to yeah. be so missed because he'd really changed their lives and stuff like that. And I... You know, I had that, and in the world of like plastic ducks that you throw yeah. away, there was like no it's contest. Not, I was back, just like, no, I was just like, this is where it's at. This is what's important. Yeah. What do you think it was that sort of ignited such an obsession from that? What do you think it was a sense of the personality and that you'd met this really quite unique character and wanted to do it justice? Do you think? Yeah, yeah. it was like the, I, I wanted people to see maybe what I saw. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to have some way of conveying that feeling and I guess that did because I, I got these letters from people and you know I mean the portrait ended up being bought by um, this guy that had been taught by him um, at uni and ended up oh, beautiful was, thing. Like, you know and and that's where it all started from then yeah. and then I was asked to do a an exhibition I got made redundant in my company and I thought well you know um, now's the time for me to really see if I can make a go of it. And I didn't know whether it would, would pan out at all, but I've, I'm still here doing well, it. Well, there you, you go. I, mean, I was in a similar situation. I've been, I've been freelance eight years now, and, and ultimately I was pushed when I'd, when I'd, you know, I'd gone full-time for three months, saved up money, went back to the same job part-time mm. for three or four months. But then the lady whose role I was essentially filling came back from maternity, so I was out of a job because I was on the own temping agency. And in the same... Same afternoon it was, the big issue, Southwest's, uh, basically the column I'd done every every week. Yeah, it was 200 quid a month, I think, at the time. 50 quid a week. I'd just get a tiny little spot illustration. Anyway, both got pulled in the same afternoon. And that was it. It was like both regular men's, you know, sources of income gone. 
And it's like, oh shit. But I yeah. started to get bits of jobs here and there. So it just left me no choice but to think, well, what else are you going to do? Mm. Throw yourself into it. I mean, sometimes it and is. It works. Yeah, and yeah. it isn't sometimes until really, you know, the shit hits the fans that you actually really take a good look at it and you think, this is this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. And you push yourself that bit further. Well, you do, especially when uh, desperation comes into play. Yeah. It, can, it can bring great productivity, you know? Yeah, the, fr- <laughs> the frustrated artist thing. Yeah. Well, so, so speaking of characters, of that because I mean, I've, I've obviously well, for listeners, I have my studios near enough directly above Becker's um, at Thameside Studios, and the, the characters just on your wall now, as we're sitting here, is quite a range of people. And, and the conversations we have about the people you're painting, there's a real range of I don't know if eccentric is the right word, but there's a real strong list of characters, all quite varying from one another. Like, so that must be a big part of the pleasure in doing it. Mm. It's like the, you know, there's not there's not one job that's really similar to another. Everyone's individual, and I really, I feel for me, it's really important for me to not convey myself through the artwork, but I want to be conveying the sitter and to get yeah. them across so much. So it's not about me, sort of like, oh, that's Becca Smith's style or something. Yeah, it's the style of the person. I want to try and you know, work out how best I can convey them in a mm. way that's true to them. Yes. And that is just a, such an interesting thing each time. You know, there's so much kind of psychology, you know, that's involved. I mean, really, it makes me laugh because the multitude of people that I paint don't actually want to be painted. Yeah. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Reluctant sitters. Yeah, that's quite... The, re- the reluctant sitter. You know, <laughs> maybe sometime in later... Life, I should I should write a book about you know the reluctant sister because you know I've I've been very very fortunate in uh, a lot of the work I get um, is through kind of institutions and colleges and schools, mm. but usually it's of people who you know they're going to be retiring. They've probably got a huge workload, you know, someone mm. shadowing them before they go into their role, and they've got all of that going on, and then they get this bombshell dropped. So. Would you like to have the honour of having your portrait painted by, you know, and they don't even know whom. And they're just thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be, maybe not as good looking. I don't know, whatever. But, you know, and they've got all this work to do. And so I usually go into a a room with someone that's thinking, oh, my God, you know, how painful (laughs) is this going to be? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, one of my more recent sitters uh, said that he'd rather go to the dentist. <laughs> well, I said, no, oh, it can't, can't be as bad as that. And he was like, no, it can be. In fact, it's worse. And I said, wow. well, how do you think of that? This was like the, literally in the first few minutes of meeting him. I said, well, how could that be worse? He said, well, there's no anaesthetic, is there? <laughs> so you get, you get anaesthetic in yeah. the dentist, but not well, with you, love. <laughs> that's nice to know you're working with a willing subject. <laughs> Fantastic. But you know, it's, it's quite. It's, you know, I, I I find it quite amusing in a sense because mm. um, I'm not there to make people feel ill at ease. You know, what I want to do is to show them that actually this doesn't have to be a, a horrible kind of process. That this can actually be, you know, something that they're going to enjoy. Yeah. And and turn it around. So rather than it, it starts in a rather negative way quite often where they've kind of got fears and they're quite apprehensive and I like to kind of try and turn it on its head until mm. they're like actually this has been really good fun and it's not been you know nearly as painful as I had uh, previously thought yeah yeah well I mean you're a good you know, you're a fun person to spend time with so I imagine that once you're given an opportunity to spend even five minutes 
with that person. Hopefully that warmth comes through and, and kind of thaws them out a little in, oh, in, so. in most instances, you know. Um, but it's, I mean, but then I guess that's in that case. I suppose that is a big part of your job. Then is is the people side of it, to, mm. because you, you photograph people yourself, right? And and mm. you paint from life as well. Mm. Um, I use I use a lot of um, photographic material for my work, um, but uh, I mainly use that. I do a bit of painting from life, but I mean, it's like a process where you know I make a start. I get what I think is right. Um, sometimes the sitter wants a hand in the choices and things like that. Yeah. Other times not. But what I don't do is, you know, I like to keep them, you know, informed of how it's going all the way. So that if there is something they're not happy about, yeah. we get that resolved. And that's, you know, something that I really try and, you know, stay firm about is that, you know, if they're not happy... I will be prepared to start it again. I want them to be happy, but mm-hmm. it's the portrait tightrope that I call it because I've got to do something that's true to myself. I've also got to do something that's true to the sitter. But, you know, there's always a governing body who are the people that have actually commissioned the work mm-hmm. and it's got to be right for them too. So, yeah. you know, you're constantly working between all these different things to kind yeah. of, you know, make it happen. But I mean, I've, I, you know, maybe I've just been lucky. I've been very, very lucky with my sitters. Um, but I haven't had to destroy or, or um, you know, like many, many of my portraits. Um, I've, you know, it's, they've kind of turned out okay. Um, but I had one recently and I started working on it and I spent, you know, quite a long time. And I went back and saw her and I thought, this just isn't right. This doesn't do this lady justice. Mm-hmm. And... She was like, oh, are you sure? It's, it looks all right to me, sort of thing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm really not happy with it. I want to start it again. And um, I sanded the original version off the board. It was just doing wow. my head in. I yeah. just didn't want to see it anymore. And I just thought, it was just every time I looked at it, it was bugging me. Yeah. I thought, well, what am I going to do with it? And I thought the yeah. best thing is just to get rid of it, actually. And it was really cathartic experience. Sanding away 60 hours work in, like, five minutes. <laughs> It's hey, like quite, quite good for the soul. <laughs> sometimes it's, it is a li- quite a liberating thing to start again like that. It is, you know, and it's actually from, from that kind of, you know, failure, um, uh, I've done probably one of, you know, one of my, my favourite portraits, mm. you know. I mean, it's because well, it's, it's a very detailed style. I'd, I'd say it's my personal opinion only, but I, I'm, never, I'm a little cold about stuff that does what a photograph does, which is hyper-realisation, you know, mm. realistic stuff. I think your stuff stops... It's short of that enough, and it's still got a lovely organic feel to it. So that I've got nothing but admiration for it because it, it it's it's very representative of people. It, it does capture um, personality from what I've seen of all your works. They're really kind of striking. You really want to study them and want to know more about that person. Um, but on that on the so on that basis, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of agonising goes on with each piece. I mean, I've, seen, <laughs> I've, I've had glimpses when I've come down to see you, and you've been sort of lost in this wormhole of you know. <laughs> corner of a suit jacket or something and it's like and I'm like it's fine what are you talking about and you're like losing your mind over it I mean I imagine that's a lot a big part of the battle in every job is that right? I suppose it is you know um, you have an idea in your head and sometimes I mean I've spent you know a whole week painting an eye got to the end of the week and realised that actually I look at it and I'm like that's no good, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and you think, oh my God, you know, is this ever going to get done? Is, is this going to be the one where I get so caught up on it that I can't do it? Yeah. You know, and you agonise and stuff. And I phone my friends and they're like, oh, you know, like my, 
my, my mate, and he's, you know, I've known him for years, and he's like, Becca, you always get this, you know, you always get some sort of block, you know, whether it's like the, the polyester jacket, or, you know, the eye, or something like this, there'll always be something that you struggle over, but you do get there in the end, but every time I'm like, oh, but this could be the time when I don't get there, then what? We always fear that, and it's why every time I get a new job, so I'm anxious, because I've been doing it eight years, and I've never, never missed one deadline, but... It's always that fear that this is the one. Yeah, you know? this this could be the one. But yeah. I suppose that's what keeps us on well, our toes. Is. I'm it's glad like, I've got that know, because creative. if I lost that, I'd very quickly become lethargic. I think. Yeah, like complacent. you get complacent, and then and then that's probably when mistakes do happen. Yeah, you know, well, when, exactly, when things yeah. go wrong. So I suppose <laughs> you've just got to keep on the edge, and then it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So how do you go about? I mean, you mentioned about sort of institutions and getting work through that through whether it's colleges and things, how do you go about making those connections? Um, they seem to be well, places that are sort of, they're not, you know, you can't, I go into Birch Smiths and pick up a magazine sometimes and I'll find the contacts through that. I mean, I can't imagine how you would go about making no. them. How do they find you? I mean, they, they seem to have found me, which is quite a scary thing because I think, well, you know, my work could dry up. I'm kind of almost, you know, I'm rather in other people's hands, so to speak, because it's all through word of mouth. Mm. And I love that about it, that there's something really kind of organic about that and quite old school about really what is quite a traditional kind of um, profession in a sense. Um, but yeah, all my work is through through word of mouth and recommendation. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I don't actually have that much control over it. Mm. I mean, hence why, you know, I like the idea, which is my goal, to, to put on a, a big exhibition somewhere in town at some stage but um, I'm constantly juggling my own work or trying to do my own work but you know you've got to do the commission work and you can't turn that down either so yeah. I don't know how long it'll be you know I might, I might be in my 80s I'll be like oh I've got the work ready to do an exhibition now <laughs> I'll have to like Maybe wheel me in or something <laughs> I'll be like I did it in the end trim your eyebrows yeah trim your eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> or not <laughs> <laughs> let the beard grow <laughs> oh my god have you got any stand up favourites you've done um, well I mean the portrait of uh, the Leslie Waper one um, has got to be one of my favourites because mm. I mean really that, that piece in itself um, really was um, you know instrumental in starting my career yeah um I have other ones. I mean, I, I like that one over there of, of Paula because it's um, it's got a simplicity to it and the kind of less is more thing. Mm. Rather than, you know, really carefully painting every single thing, sometimes less is more. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I know with your illustration work, you, you appreciate that very much. I do. I love it. I love it. I, one of my favourite feelings is when I do something that's quite minimal and it's successful. Because for me, that's really powerful. Sometimes it can be... T- if you get simplicity wrong, it's awful. Yeah. Okay, right, and it's brilliant. You know, yeah. it's, it's definitely a marmite thing. Uh, it's, hence, hence why I've been struggling with that jacket over there. <laughs> yeah, well, simplicity yeah. gone wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, but this is it, isn't it? It's not. It's a very difficult thing to pull off. Yeah, uh, to get doing something that's very minimal and getting, and getting it right, and it doesn't always work either. No, it's, it's a tough call to make at times. Exactly, you know, because you can have an idea in, in your mind's eye sometimes of what you want it to be, yeah. you know, and then when you actually go to do it, you realise that the certain constraints behind it mean that you can't, it, it wouldn't actually work like that. Yeah, well, that will, yeah, that's the thing. So, you, you one thing that made me laugh yesterday that you mentioned was um, about the 2D, 3D thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, I mean, I've never thought about this. So obviously, your, your portraits are quite realistic, representative of people. And is there an average length? How long they take? No. I think we're talking. Um, I mean, like a, weeks, aren't we? Um, well, like a, a, a big commission. Um, I mean, depending on the amount of detail and everything like that, I can t- you know, several months' work, really. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'll do other work that takes a few days. Mm. Um, but, uh, yes, portraits are flat, and when, when you, re- you see the real subject again in front of you, and they're all, like, 3D and moving around, <laughs> it's, like, mental. <laughs> I never thought about that, but that's brilliant. Like, I mean, because I'm someone who has quite really quite a quick style. Uh, early on, it, yeah, I just seemed to hit on this thing where the speed of it didn't compromise the quality and I loved that I was able to turn around a lot of different stuff and juggle. But so then I never I never thought about that, but to stare at something for so long that's two D and quite realistic and then to make the person again, that's quite head fuck, isn't it? That's hilarious. You know, it's, it's, and they're talking to you and their face is like moving and stuff and you're like, Oh my god, those wrinkles, that's how they work and you know, try not to stare too much, you know, in case you give them a complex. But no, it's really it is really, really weird. It's and I wonder what they think of it, you know, I wonder what they think that sometimes it must occur to some of these people that you've been staring at them essentially for, for weeks and potentially months. Yeah, I think one of my recent clients was like, you know, you've just been like staring at me for ages. <laughs> and I was like, you know, a bit that that was like a, a man, you know, he's probably thinking like, that's a bit strange. Yeah. You know, this girl's staring at my face for ages and ages. Um, you know, I hope they don't get a complex. You don't want a Ghostbusters <laughs> 2 experience with the eyes start moving. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be great. I, I did actually think about that. It's like, you know, could do some a sort of series of portraits where, you know, they, you, could, you could do that and there are other kind of moving parts within that. Yeah. And that could be quite good. Yeah. Especially, like, you'd have to have some sort of old baronial hall, wouldn't you, with kind of, like, you know, wood, wood oh, kind God, of yeah. wooden walls, you know. Yeah. That's how I imagine. When I think eyes. of classic portrait painting, that's what I imagine. It's like the more, like, regal sort of... Yeah. Some old you know, side on in a chair, like, yeah. very... It's, it's, cool. it's a cool thing, portrait painting, <laughs> I think. I don't quite get the same... I feel, I feel I don't quite get the same thing where I do, a quite like, a five-minute line drawing. I do... It's quite, it does its own thing, and I love doing the portraits, but... These are kind of time. These are these are meant to be uh, sticking around, aren't they? Well, that's what I think. You know, I mean, to me, a really good portrait. You look at that, and it doesn't matter when that person lived, but you have a feeling of them being in the room with you, mm. and you get a feeling of their character, and you know, and I find that so fascinating. You know, that it could be, it could have been done, you know, centuries ago, but yet that person is in that room with you right now. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And I do think that when I, when I see these kind of older um, portraits like that on, you know, wherever it is, I do think about that. I wonder, like, I think if, I, if, if someone also almost pressed play on a remote now and it resumed from that moment, mm. I try to think, but, you know, what's, that, what's the sense of that person? What would they yeah. feel like walking into a room? Would it be a power? I don't know. It's quite a fascinating thing. It's almost like the portrait's like a portal or something. That's a good into point. Into a different time dimension. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Harry Potter style. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> do you ever... Um, do you ever... Have you ever, ever had any disputes with a subject over anything in terms of the way you see them or the way you get a sense <laughs> and, and the way they see themselves? 
Well, that, that is an interesting one. Um, I'd like to say um, no, but I would be <laughs> lying. Um, luckily, there have been few. Mm. Um, but I remember one of the first portraits I did of this lady, and um, it was quite bizarre, the whole thing, really, because she said, oh, I'd like you to uh, do a portrait of my, my boyfriend. Um, it's going to be his 60th birthday. And I said, OK, that's fine. And we agreed I was going to do sort of a pencil drawing. And then they came over... And um, he said, well, actually, I'd really like you to put her in it as well. And I could see the look of shock and horror on her face that she was going to actually have to be involved in this too. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, and then I'd, I'd started doing it. And um, she said, oh, I felt really awkward because actually I was thinking of dumping him. So that wasn't very good. Whoa. So anyway, I finished this portrait. And, and, and the weird thing was that, you know, in this portrait, he's sort of looking dotingly at her with his sort of arm oh. on the sofa, you know. And she's kind of looking away, like really distracted, like she's not there at all, you know. And I thought, oh, God, how indicative without even knowing. But anyway, so I finished this portrait and uh, this double oh. portrait. And she looked at it in absolute horror and she said, oh, my God, I'm not 18 anymore. And I thought, well, no, you're about 70. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I felt like I'd really burst the bubble. You know, and all I'd done was just do what I thought was a, you know, a a good representation of her and her her boyfriend. I I don't know what became of them. Wow, Um, what a a moment to immortalise. You know, but it was just like, oh, God. But it was like the fact that I'd sort of burst the bubble that actually, you know, I just pointed out to her that she wasn't young anymore and I felt really bad about it. That's funny, but I I find that hilarious that you captured this moment where someone might say, oh, my God, that's... uh... Awkward. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, it is one that's stuck in my mind. But um, no, people do um, see themselves differently. I mean, because it's like the whole thing, you know. I mean, whenever you look at your face in the mirror, it's the other way around to how everyone else sees it in the first place. So, and me and um, my mate Danny Allison, who's also an illustrator, and he's a photographer too. He was my first guest on this show, actually. And um, we call it, we call it, well, it's Picasso essentially because um, we, we used to go to this gym and they had like weird mirrored walls in Preston and so you could see the reversal of yourself and it made me realise that he was seeing what I'm seeing now that to me looks like a Picasso because everything's reversed and I've got a wonky nose as it is so seeing it reversed shows it in its extremities so like, and we used to wind each other up and try and put mirrors together to show, and they'd be like no no fuck off don't show me that like, and it would turn into like a ridiculous thing that we had going on but it was uh, yeah that's interesting I've embraced how craggy my face is okay it's alright right. you're no. over it so if I did a portrait of you you wouldn't be like oh my god oh, I didn't realise I looked like that in fact have you ever heard of, do you know David Hughes not the one who there's a David Hughes in here but not that, that guy but there's an illustrator called David Hughes who's really well known I think he's one of the patrons of the Association of Illustrators but anyway he's a total character and he came in and did this event called the Big Draw when I was at uni and it was in my first year and essentially there's loads of big drawing events going all over the, all over the country it's a really cool event and we did one in Preston in the Harris Museum which is in the centre of town so we got these huge sheets of paper out the whole class and you had to do this self-portrait and then I think you did them of your classmates big bonding experience was the idea so I'm doing the one of me and by this point <laughs> I've kind of had enough mates who've taken the piss out of my nose to, to embrace it so I'm drawing this bent nose and he walked around and he, bear in mind as a tutor he's walking around with folded arms and he looked <laughs> over my shoulder and he went your nose really that bent 
<laughs> and I kind of looked back at him like that, and then he looked at me and went, fucking hell it is. Oh, <laughs> was it brilliant for like art teachers to give you a real like paranoia <laughs> complex? It's like, my, I, we did the self-portrait thing, and I said to um, Mrs. Payne at the time. Mrs. Payne. I said, Mrs. Payne. Boom. I don't know what colour my hair is. And she looked at me, looked me up and down and went, well, you're dirty blonde, aren't you? I mean, how do you come back from that one? It's scarred forever. Still, it is a good talking point. It's just quite Fantastic. amusing. An old tutor of mine who's still, I'm still friends with, he, uh, he, he reduced someone to tears in first year when he told them that they didn't look like the anime version they'd drawn of themselves on Photoshop. Like crying, like took a glasses off, cried, left the class, and he was like just looking at it with his horror, like horror eyes. And I, and I wasn't mates with him at the time, but we later became good mates, and I used to rib him about that all the time. <laughs> I think it was his first week in uni as well. We just started a job, and he was mortified. But... Oh, no. <laughs> Burst the bubble yet again. Yeah. You have to be careful. See, it's when these portraits come into it. <laughs> so good. And you were on the when you you went on the the thing on Sky, didn't you? Oh God, Sky's the limit. What, what's it called? The, the portrait artist of the portrait year. Portrait artist of the year. How was that? It was um, an experience. It was probably um, it, it was definitely an experience. Um, one that I'm. Well, how's what's the format? It's not like the Bake Off, is it? Where they like you eliminate people, or is it? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Essentially, Bake Off, what they painted. Yeah, the pe- yeah paint off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but wow. uh, no, it was like. Um, Oh god, it was it was hideous actually. I'd had a, a big unveiling the day before, and I had to leave that, and I felt rather rude because they they wanted me to kind of be there af- afterwards. But uh, I had to dash off and get prepared for this this thing, and um, it was um, so we. Ha- I, I can't remember quite how many. I think there were like several groups. I think there was twenty one of us, mm. and then um, they'd got like. Um, a place, I don't know, like a big sort of marquee type thing um, with three sitters who were three celebrities um, and you didn't know who they were going to be um, until the day. Mm. Um, so you were in these groups of um, 21. I have to work this out because my maths is terrible. <laughs> Can't do that. But anyway, and um, yeah, basically had to had to sit there and, and uh, draw or paint whoever it was. I got Alison Steadman. Um, but, uh, it was just, it was just horrific because it was such a pressurised environment. And when you've got Frank Skinner coming around going, no, that's your best side. No, you shouldn't sit like that. You should sit like this. And then they're kind of doing pat checks every, you know, oh, few minutes gosh, and yeah. stuff. So you're trying to get in the zone, trying to sort of learn to draw. Cause like you're in just this really weird environment and it just feels so non-conducive where, you know, I'm normally on, on, in my, well, you know, my thing, own space. We, we just talked about how long mm. you take, like several mm. months. You know, I suppose come when you've got mm. the radio on, there's a whole lighting set up, you've got to be in the mood for it. So many variable factors. So to, be, th- so to be thrust into this pressure cooker in front yeah. of the cameras is not a natural environment. You know, whilst you've got members of the public coming round and actually gawping at you, yeah. whilst you're trying to draw, mm. and, um, you know, and doing these pat checks. So, you know, your concentration's constantly broken. And then you've got the judges coming round mm. as well, you wow. know. And I just found it so pressurised. Did you have an idea that it's what, it's what it would be like? Or? I didn't know what I was walking into. Really? I mean, you know, and as well, when they're, when they're interviewing you, um, I've never been interviewed for TV before. So they ask you a question, but they expect you to repeat the question within the answer. But when you're, like, half your mind's on trying to draw Alison Steadman, you're not concentrating on kind of, you know, how you should be interviewed and, well, you know, course. what's your right yeah. side and how you should be like this. And 
I just found it, um, it was just too much. Yeah. But on top of that, um, they had some demonstration going on and they had drumming going on outside and this was like ramping up and ramping up and I was thinking, <laughs> I could feel like the panic, like, you know, when you can feel like your heart Adrenaline beating in your ears and stuff, like, yeah. Ugh, like this and I was thinking, God, I feel really shaky if I not, if I not drank enough and it was actually getting hotter and hotter in mm. there with all the electrics. Oh, I thought it was a hideous experience, actually. Um, you know, I mean, saying that, um, I don't like this never say never because, you know, I think really, you know, maybe I would go in for it again, but at least I would be a bit more aware of how it's going to be, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and what it's like Quite being interviewed yeah. and stuff. But to go into it all completely cold from, you know... Yeah. How did it come about? Did you apply or did they come to you? Yeah, I, I applied almost, you know, rather flippantly. And then they were like, yeah, you're, you're going to be in that. You know, but I mean, as well, um, I, I don't know who it was that said, you know, they thought that it was a, quite a weird kind of phenomenon that really you've got, you know, like the sort of long distance runners of the, mm. you know, portrait um, environment like myself that take months and months and months to do something um, competing against people that do stuff. You know, yeah. more in your style where you do yeah. things very, very quickly. It's certainly conducive to those people, you know, isn't it? Let's face it. So, you know, in a sense, it's kind of like a quite a bizarre kind of competition, really. Yeah, but still, um, I mean, still, it's a, that's a cool experience. It and, is and, an experience. And, and a real nice nod to your talent, you know, to be on it. You, they're not mm. going to accept any Tom Dick or Harry, I, I imagine, you know, it's, you know. Uh, no, and it, you know, I mean, it, it was, you know, it was an interesting experience. But I mean, I did, I did kind of mess up at the end because after we'd been interviewed so many times and they were getting a bit cross because I wasn't very good interview material. So they, they put us out of there and it really had got boiling in there and we'd had to do all these different takes and cuts and stuff mm. and had all our water taken off us and stuff. So we were all like parched as hell and absolutely drained from doing it. And they're like, right, one last interview then. So how do you feel that you didn't get through into the next round? And I went, yeah, really relieved. And they were like, oh, God, can't use that. <laughs> It just kind of, you know when stuff just comes out of your mouth like that? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I did say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sky, I've got a few um, more constraints than this, bro, because I've been a rest all the minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm letting go on this. <laughs> How to put your foot in it. <laughs> but no, it was, it was an experience, you know. And, you know, maybe one day I would do it again, but at least I'd be a bit more savvy next time. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Would you paint the Queen? I'd love to paint the queen. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely love to paint. It always the queen. cracks me up when every now and again you get one where like everyone's mortified over it. You know, like someone will go a bit sideways, it's like the, the abstract and well, like, like the Rolf Harris one or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that's been put in some, you know, uh, kind of area, some darkened cellar. <laughs> but like uh, I don't know, it's like. Um, where, where I grew up in Saltwood, um, the famous art historian Kenneth Clark used to live there. Mm. And um, he would get sent artwork and he would just sort of hang it out on the battlements in all weathers if he didn't like it. Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. just to, so that it could be destroyed. <laughs> you know, so I don't know whether there's been a, you know, a few portraits of the Queen that have had some stuff like that. <laughs> Have you got? A, is it someone you really like to paint? Have you got like a, a bucket list, any, um, any, or or any a number of people? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Not not particularly. I would no. actually really like to paint the Queen. <laughs> you hit the nail yeah. on the head there. Because um, it because it sounds like I mean from what you said about the first one you did to the guy with the eyebrows, it's like <laughs> um, you know they're they're the characters, aren't they? Some of the people I've had on this show have just been recommendations from other people said you should mm. interview that person, and they turned out to be some of my favourite guests. You mm. know uh, where. 
you always think, oh, that person you idolise or whatever is going to be the one, but actually... The, but it's someone random. But you often get ambushed, don't you, with these yeah. just hidden gems almost. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, again, that's one of the things that I love about my my job that I get and, and my next um, unsuspecting or rather suspecting victim. Mm. And, you know, and they're not, they're not someone really that I've necessarily met before. I mean, that's why I'm really enjoying, you know, painting Nick because he is someone that's known in the public eye... Yeah. And, you know, he has got that instantly recognisable face and a very characterful face. You can, I mean, you've nailed it. They're just looking at this. It's, it's um, yeah. If he hears that, Nick, you've been nailed. <laughs> <laughs> don't know quite how you'll appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and who's the, um, the, I'm quite intrigued with the uh, the Wimbledon guy. You're going you're gonna to be painting. Are oh, you allowed to talk about that? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just starting that. Um, and um, he's a, a a fantastic character, uh, really the font of all knowledge for Wimbledon. And he founded um, the library in the Wimbledon Museum, which is all on the site of Wimbledon. Oh, wow, OK. And he just knows everything. So um, that's the archive of everything. Yeah. Tennis and Wimbledon. You know, brilliant. so I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a really wonderful portrait. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, to painting him because he's just such a character. Mm. And absolutely sharp as a needle. Yeah. You know, really, really interesting man. Yeah. He's um, quite an elderly gentleman, isn't he? Oh, yeah, 86. 86, wow. Yeah. You know, and a force to be reckoned with. Um, you know, and it's so clear how they feel about him. He's someone that, you know, is so loved there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I feel I feel really flattered that they've chosen me to do that. I mean, it is an honour, you know, to paint yeah. someone. I do take it very seriously that, you know, I'm painting someone and, um, you know, that's going to be on the wall for Well, let's for face it, I mean, if it's commissioned by a third party, it's not often done, done lightly, is it? It's mm. done because that person's loved mm. and admired and respected. And they want know. some visual record of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've, I feel like that's a great honour and, you know, for, for me to have that chance to depict them. Yeah. Yeah, it really is a lovely thing, I think. Yeah, so I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about seeing how it comes to you know how it ends up because it's looking great at the minute. Three quarters. He's like looking looking at us now, staring back at us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know quite. How would you like describe the expression? <laughs> it's there's a lot of things going on, and it? it's a very busy expression. It's it's almost. Uh, it's bordering on what you're playing at, but there's a part of him that quite admires it. It's like a, a, a slightly sceptical, <laughs> but, but ever so slightly amused. Yeah, it's got humour in yeah. there. It's like, well, it's like he's watching something going on across a room and the person doesn't know he's watching it. <laughs> and he's a bit like, I'm not quite sure what's happening here, but I like it a little bit. That's, that's what it says to me. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. I'm yeah. glad there is, you know, because I mean, that's... It's warm. It's very warm. That's good. I think it's a very warm expression, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pleased with how it's going at yeah. the moment in well the direction that it's going in. And I don't want to try and overdo it too much. I think, you know, again mm. the sort of less is more yeah. sort of thing. But you never know where these things are gonna end up. No, that's that's the nice thing, you isn't know, you it? You can't preempt I mean, things too much. No. I think they have their own journey. Yeah, if it became too formulaic and you get again complacency and then and Then you paint yourself you, into a corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you very quickly lose the fashion, don't you? Exactly. Well, if it's easy, you know. So yeah. So that's good. Right, all right, so I'm going to get I'm going to get you the last question, which put people on the spot with, and it's Shark in the Tank names, because I, I love the Damien Hurst piece. I know you're not as keen on it. 
Um, like? I, no, oh, it... I don't know. I, I'm sort of warming to it, um, <laughs> <laughs> warming to the shark in the tank. But I really like his butterfly pieces, which mm. I hadn't hadn't really known about. And then a friend kind of uh, showed me them, and I was really quite awestruck by them. I thought they were fantastic. You know, they kind of looked like these, you know, hugely intricate kind of stained glass windows. I love that feeling about anything when it's. A... In, in, in creativity in the art world and you get that feeling something blows you away mm. such a great buzz <laughs> I know but uh, no I mean when, when I went to see uh, I don't know if it was a, was, it, was it the Sensation exhibition I'm not sure but so we know. went to the Sensation exhibition and um, I, they had the uh, pig that well it broken down anyway on the runners and that was what I thought was hilarious yeah. was the fact <laughs> that the pig had broken down <laughs> it is that's true art now <laughs> And so basically, I ask, people, I ask people for a love and a hate loosely within the creative industries, but it's, very, it's a very lateral question, very open ended. Mm. <laughs> so what do I what do I love? Um, God, that is a really difficult question. Mm. I know. Yeah, people always. I know. See now, now I'm um, getting stumped. Um, what do I love? I I really love. Um, I don't know. I really love James Gunn's portraits, actually. Okay. Um, and um, just the, the way he depicts his sitters. Um, I just think the skill, the technique, uh, but you really get a sense of the person sitting there and they're all really quite different. There's a, such a huge variety. And I don't know, he's probably lesser known than obviously like people like Rembrandt and stuff. Mm. Um, so I really like his work. And... I've never been a huge fan of Tracy Emin, I must admit. No? No, that sort of doesn't really do it for me. Um, I don't, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't float my boat. But I mean, you know, horses for courses, and that's the well, whole that's thing Well, that's it, that's what's beautiful about art. If it, yeah. were, if it was any other way, it wouldn't be as uh, sexy as it is. <laughs> or just the debates and opinions that it brings, it's great. Because nothing's right or wrong, is it, let's face it. Yeah, and that's, what, that's really what makes it interesting. Yeah, I think when you embrace Everyone's that, Everyone's got completely different, different ideas and, I don't know, yeah, just mm. d- different kind of concepts of what, the, what they really like. Yeah, it's true, very cool. All right, well, last, very last thing, where can people check out your work? Um, get in touch with you. Um, well, on my, my website, um, beccasmith.com. Cool. And you can check it out there. And, um, you know, in a load of institutions all around the country. Cool. <laughs> schools, and, schools and places. Maybe I might get some requests. Yeah, so <laughs> Cam- Cambridge <laughs> Colleges. Um. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, lovely. Well, cheers for your time, Becca. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, I, I just can't get my head around that. That... <laughs> Some tutor is teaching on a course and then recommends that you go on the dole instead. Wow. I hope no one's doing that now. I hope no one's kind of teaching and just full only thinking this industry's fucked. You know? Uh, excuse my, my language, but that's a pretty morose attitude, right? I mean, I would not do it. I've done bits of teaching myself and I like to think I go in there with a bit of gusto and a bit of passion because I believe in my industry. And no matter the state of affairs in higher education, I think you should always believe in your craft. That's just my take on things. But great story. And what a great response, actually, to um, which that could be really considered a, an adverse beginning, right? To be told that you're better off signing on the door and to go on and do what Becca's doing and has done. Fair play. Top lass. Um, I hope you like it. <laughs>
and I hope you like her stuff. Go and check it out on the social media. I've been sharing images, of course. Thanks to last week's guest, uh, Tom Banks, editor of Design Week uh, with the Edge of Design special. Go back and check that out, talking about design-led thinking in businesses like Airbnb, uh, IKEA, um, blah, 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 gone blank. IBM, of course, who, uh, whose idea it was with Design Week to start the projects. Go and have a look. Fascinating episode. Interesting, interesting ideas that you can implement in your creative business. Um, I should also just mention very briefly before I thank the sponsors again, uh, Arts Thread, a group who also share this show from time to time. They support me very well, support the show. They like what we're about. Uh, they're putting out a call for entries for uh, a huge creative Brazilian event. So go and have a look, artsthread.com, and find out more about that. Great people also doing great stuff. Portfolio site support for new graduates and creatives. Awesome people. Have a look. Uh, so thanks to the sponsors. Printing.com, heartinternet.co.uk, illustrationweb.com, covering lots of important things and doing a wonderful job of supporting this show. So thanks, guys. And thanks to all you brilliant listeners for checking in again. I love it. I really do get great enjoyment from doing this show, and I'm hoping to create an inspiring archive of conversations with people who can really help to motivate and give you some great ideas for your creative professional journey. Whoa. I'm out of words, it's been a breathy one today, it's been a wordy one. <laughs> so I apologise if I pecked your head too much. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Becca Smith. Get me your feedback on the Twitter, at Arrest All Mimics. Let me know who you want to hear from, do you want to be on the show, tell me why, send me some interesting stuff, and I'll think about it. Thank you guys, nice one. See you in a bit, catch you next week. Listen